and driving to my school, it was like cornfields, cornfields. I'm like, ah, is this America? Uh-huh. And then. <laughs> Welcome to season two of the LNS District. We're glad you're joining us today. We are your host, Lillian and Sharon, and together we're the LNS District. We are representing the community of international students and immigrant professionals. We are here to share thought-provoking experiences, the experiences of guests, and topics that will help you navigate and adjust to this new life and mindset on your global student journey. You know what? So step into the LNS district community. We are not legal advisors or representatives. We expect you to check for updates through the USCIS website as international students or immigrant professionals, as well as contact your international office as needed. Hi guys, welcome back to the LNS district. My name is Lillian and we have a special guest today. We have um, the rich immigrants with us, and she's going to share a bit of financial wisdom with us. And so we're just going to go right into it. Um, So today's quote is, Financial freedom is available to those who learn about it and work for it. Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. What does that mean to you? (laughs) I I think that's true to an extent, right? I think that's true to an extent because I think I think let's not act like there are you know people that are not positioned um, to to be financially literate, right? So I think so like when everybody is aware and has the access to the education, then yes, you should learn about it. And 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 I think absolutely once there's awareness, I think everybody can attain financial independence. So yes, but I think with a caveat, yes, I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with it. Um, I think um, financial freedom. Everyone like wants it, like some sort, some form of it, somehow, some way. And I think obviously to start with, like you have to learn. And, right. And I think once you start the learning process, it depends on where you are too, and like exactly. where you're learning from, and all of that stuff. So I think like once you start learning, it becomes like available somehow, somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think awareness is the biggest thing. Once once that literacy or that education is available to everyone, then yes, I think it then it becomes a choice. But I think many times we just don't know what we don't know and you don't know that you're in the dark when everybody else around you is in the dark so until one person sees the light then you know that light even exists right exactly and people always like i feel like when it comes to financial um freedom people always people don't realize that it's not something that's just it's the information is out there but it's not something that someone is going to like you know just tell you without you know you kind of like doing some digging yeah 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 go find it yeah, I think, but I think some people are kind of, if you're born and raised into a family that's really just on top of it. For some people, I know people that I've worked with where it was just part of life and they just, she just knew because, you know, their parents taught you those things. So you started investing at the age of 18. So I think there is some level when your family has access to certain things, it becomes like, you know, it, it's, it's like a given. So there are people where it is a given. And then the, the rest of us where, you know, we pick it up as we go. I think it should be made mandatory in schools just so that everybody is aware, just like you have to learn math. You should, you should have a financial literacy course. Then at that point, if you choose not to do anything. Then it's up to you. Exactly. Yeah. So I know people are like wondering, okay, who's this third person on the call? (laughs) Can you just tell us a bit about yourself? 
Yes, yes. I'm Adi Olateru and I am the, the founder of The Rich Immigrant. I'm a rich immigrant in the making. I claim it. I believe it. I'm working towards Amen. it. I am it. Yes. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the founder of The Rich Immigrant. I'm, I'm Nigerian, living in America. Um, I, I work for a big four uh, professional services firm. I'm a travel blogger. I'm a procrastinator recovering from that. I'm a working process. I mean, I'm a work in progress. So, you know, I don't like, because there are many ways you can introduce yourself. So I like to say things that are kind of, you know, things I do, things that a little bit of things about me. I eat too much rice, um, um, but I'm passionate about, um, about um, uh, you know, financial literacy and, and, and sharing information to enable first and second generation immigrants, you know, attain financial independence or at least awareness and then have the choice on, on whether or not they want to pursue independence. Okay, I love that. And um, for those who don't know, you came into America as an international student a few years ago, right? Yes, yes. Can you summarize your international student journey in one word for us? And maybe ah. explain why you chose that word? Roller coaster. <laughs> So <laughs> um, roller coaster, but also transformative, right? I think it's it's hard to you know pick one. I would say roller coaster, and I think many international students can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also transformative in that the person that I was when I came here before I turned you know seventeen, and the person I am now, now in my thirties, um, you know, different person, better person. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, whoo, what a ride, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's true. Um, So throughout our, I guess, our podcast, we throw around the word or the term global students. And that's just a word that um, describes a student of life who, Mm -hmm. um, you know, has kind of made the move out of their, the country they've known to a foreign country in search of education or work. So how would you say that, like, what would you say has been like the greatest benefits from your global student journey? Um... I would say, you know, I would say I'm, I'm a different person. I mean, I was born and raised in Nigeria, you know, middle class family, um, you know, things were okay. You know, coming abroad was not something that I had planned for or that my family ever did. My first time on a plane was to come to America to go to university. Um, and and I think for me, it's it's been, when I say transformative, it's the person that I am. And I think I would have been fine in Nigeria, but just the person that I am, um, I think, had I not gone on this journey and the different phases of this journey, entirely different person. And, you know, I'm proud of the person that I've become um, because of all the things that I went through and the different phases of my journey um, from Nigeria, living in Nigeria to where I am. And, and my, 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 my foundation in Nigeria is, is very important to me and it's foundational to me. Um, but then being able to build on that with, you know, multiple experiences living in different parts of the world, I think it's been transformative. So, yeah. Wow, that's that's really awesome. And and I think that's one thing we um you know really hold as the foundation of our podcast because we believe like as international students or global students, like um it's our it's our like superpower because we've seen like other parts of the country, um the country the world, or, yeah. the world, exactly. So we have the ability to like, you know, see things from like a different perspective, appreciate some things a little bit more, understand like some people where they're coming from and things like that. So I feel like, you know, that's our superpower. And we also like talk about it on the podcast as well. So when you um, moved here, did you experience any kind of culture shock? And do you want to mention some? I I would start (laughs) by saying that for me, it was really like one of them was like the food. 
Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So which ones did you experience? Yeah, I mean, I experienced all of it. I mean, I came from Lagos. I was born and raised in Lagos, Nigeria, and then I went to um, a small town in Minnesota called Winona, Minnesota. And so I landed in New York, and so New York was like, okay, this is the, this is the America I've seen on TV. <laughs> and then I would fly to Minnesota and drive into my school. It was like cornfields, cornfields. I'm like, ah, is this America? Uh-huh. And then <laughs> and then we got onto. Then I got to my town, small town. They're like, you know, three buses that run in town and all that stuff and I'm like I came to a village oh. <laughs> you know and, and here I am people looking at me as oh an African person oh wow you're welcome to America and I'm like it's not the America I signed up for you know <laughs> and so yeah for me it was just a shock that I did not really think that villages or small towns that was not a village it was a small town of like I don't even know maybe 20,000 people Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know that I didn't it didn't occur to me that small towns like this existed and that would be going to, to live in one. So there was that. Um, there was also the first time experience of just being an author. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you land in Winona, Minnesota, there are not many people that look like us, American or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time in my life, coming from the most populous black nation on earth, I realized I realized that I was black. Like, you know, you're black, but that I realized that I was black. Mm-hmm. And that was that othering was was alarming for me. You know, I can't even I mean, I, I loved I mean, I was I'm a bit of a geek, a nerd. You could say that. Um, but um, every once in a while, I like to skip class, too, but you cannot even skip class in peace, you know, because they will know that you're not there today, you know. So things like that. I It's just, you know, um, of course, there were some, you know, racial incidents of being watched in stores. And I'm like, ah, do you know me? I would never do that. My parents raised me better, but. Um, yeah. Just just being exposed to the fact that sometimes people do not give you the benefit of a of a first mm-hmm. chance, and they do judge you by the way that you look. I think that yeah. was that was new to me. Um, it was, and that, of course there was the food. You know, I mean, there's that. That's even a small thing. Just every it was just everything. I mean, the shocking was everything, right? Mm. And I think I left the U.S. for work, and I came back in 2018, and there was still that reverse culture shock. And I think that's something that I hadn't I hadn't even anticipated, right? Because I'm like, mm. I've lived here grew up here I mean I became an adult here I left and I came back and there's still that so I think it's just with life and with transitions um, there's always the shock so it's just you know brace for impact and and just work through it right yeah yeah Um, we totally agree and um, we resonate with like you know just being in a different country and then and I think for me too even just um, having the experience in England it's like in England I never really felt like oh I was black like I didn't really feel all of that but when I moved here and then um started understanding some things I'm like okay well I'm like black what does that really really mean you know and like you know if if I'm at school or work uh working late or like walking at night like what does that mean as like a black female and things like that um so from your international student journey is there anything or like what are some things you feel or you wish you would have done differently (laughs) <laughs> that's a loaded question. That's a loaded question, yeah. <laughs> um, I try to not have regrets. I think that, you know, I think there, there have been things that haven't worked out the way I wanted them to. And I think maybe we might get to them with some of your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are things that, you know, have worked out better than I than I would have than I would have expected. And so um, I think, I guess the first thing is just, it's, 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 it's hard to say because you're coming at the age of 16. What are you really expected to know, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think I wish, and my friends and I talk about this, my friends and I that went through that college phase together, it was like, oh my God, we were so naive. <laughs> you know, you think you're just coming to America and everything will just work out. I wish I learned earlier, mm-hmm. you know, what it meant if I wanted to stay here, what that meant, things I needed to mm-hmm. do, the importance of building a network. 
Um, those kind of things, I think I wish I learned them earlier. I learned them eventually. But I think that now there's so much information available that I think that I believe and hope that people that are listening, like these are tools, like this podcast is here for you, giving you free tools um, that I wish that, that we wish that we had. I think that's, that's why we're here. We're creating spaces that we wish existed. Um, and so I would say tap into everything, every resource that exists to make your path easier. Right. I wish, I wish someone told me that. Yeah. And you, you, you kind of mentioned um, the importance of networking. And that's something I also learned on my, and I think both of us actually, we talk about this a lot because like the, the way we grew up back home, I'm from Ghana. So the way I grew up back home and then here, like the networking is different, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you need to network wherever you are. Like, yeah, we say connections, but it mm-hmm. helps you in the long same run. Same thing, <laughs> same thing. So when it came to like your job search, did you mm-hmm. um was there a struggle with that because i know that's something that's like a huge part of the international student journey when you graduate and it's time to look for jobs on opt and all that where you what was your experience with that and was it hard to find a job with your field it was um and i think you know i, I think that whole getting a job and a visa it's a bit of a it's a rite of passage experience yeah. for for international <laughs> students yeah. um and i had my fair share and that was one of the things that didn't go out as planned but i'll explain why i think things worked out in the end okay. and i think there's a lesson in that so i graduated summa cum laude you know um degree in accounting and business administration but again i was at a smaller school where the firms that sponsored did not come and recruit and so I think I realized that maybe my junior year and I started applying online and all that stuff. But again, I was qualified, but I wasn't positioned. Um, and so, you know, I applied and I applied, uh, graduated, no job. I had bills to pay and all that stuff. I took a job at a factory, put my degree to the side. I worked in a factory, $10 per hour. Um, and then in the evenings, I started, OK, well, it's time for plan B. What's plan B? I started studying for the GMAT to go to grad school, get a master's degree that I did not need, which I know many of us have done. And I know that it's a choice that we take to try and get another chance. And so I did that. Um, And then I didn't have money for the grad school. So that was another prayer point. (laughs) Um, um, uh, So I was working at the factory, paying off some of my bills, applying to schools, studying for GMAT. I got accepted to University of Illinois. At the time, I said, if I'm going to go get a master's that I don't need to try and buy time and get a better chance at a job, I want to go to the best schools for master's in accounting. So I applied to University of Texas, Austin and Illinois. I got accepted into both. By God's grace, um, I got full right to Illinois and a stipend. So that was one of my first, you know, that was a big miracle. It was life changing. Mm-hmm. I never met the people. I wrote them a letter. I never met whoever donated that money. Um, but um, so I got into school and then... Then, but I applied to more than 500 jobs because I was tracking. And I think I just wanted to share because many times it's possible that you are qualified, but not positioned or not connected. Um, and, and, and sometimes you do your best and, and it still doesn't work out. And I think many, it happens to so many people in our community. Um, and so that was my story. And then when I went to grad school, of course, more firms recruited there. I was intentional about going to the events and all that stuff. I was not going, I was not playing. I was not by, at least if it was left to any, anything of my doing, I was not going to leave any stone unturned. And so I got an offer from two firms and I accepted an offer with the firm that I'm still with. Um, so that's the short version of at least how I got. So yes, it was challenging. I did not get it the first time. Second time was better. Um, had many close calls first time, but sometimes the recruiters will just ghost you after they tell you you're close. <laughs> um, yeah, so true. Yeah, <laughs> but, but 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 I wanted to say this thing though that I said, you know, is that 
I didn't get the job when I graduated, but I also know my friends that did get offers from another firm and did sponsor. The H-1B was maxed in that year. And so my friend ended up having to leave the U.S. anyway. So I went back to school. And when I graduated in 2009, it was in a recession. And so the cap was not maxed. And so then I got my H-1B without stress. And so I think what seemed to me as a failure or as a setback ended up working, you know, for my good down the line. And you, you mentioned something about not, um, I think you said something about not, not being positioned, but mm-hmm. yeah, what can you explain what you mean by that? I mean, I think what I mean is that, you know, I, I grades wise, I had the grades, okay. I had the leadership experience and all that stuff, but I, I didn't know anybody in, in, the, in the industry I wanted to get into. I mm-hmm. had no connections to recruiters and all that stuff. So I wasn't positioned um, for easier access to the roles that I wanted. And I think that that happens sometimes. It's 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 life. And, you know, sometimes if you're in a new country and you don't have connections and, you know, I didn't have an opportunity or I didn't even know to try and build those connections when I was a sophomore or a junior in college. And so I wasn't positioned to have easier access to the roles because I, I think that if I had, if I even knew one person that recommended me for an interview, maybe I would have stood a chance earlier, but it's all good it's all good it's part of my story right it's part of why i I share what i do share right it's part of my journey right and that's real i love that you shared that part because i also had like a similar experience where my i met a recruiter and i connected with her and she then connected me with like a number of people who helped me eventually get a job you know so Mm -hmm. that person like if you don't have that it can really cost you so i completely understand that part um, but how do you think, um, how were you able to pick yourself up from the 500 plus re- rejections and what advice would you give to someone who's currently at that point? Cause it's OPT season. Yes. It's OPT season, man. Um, and you know, I just want to, it's a tough place to be. And, you know, now I'm looking back and I have the benefits of hindsight. Right. Um, so I would say a couple of things, right. I mean, really do put your best foot forward. Right. Put your best foot forward and don't give up. Right. And, and, and I would say, you know, talk to people, have conversations, reach out on LinkedIn, reach out for time. I mean, if you're especially if you're already at that stage where you're already graduating and getting your OPT right, and time is running out. I'd say if you're earlier on, you can start you can start pounding the pavement earlier in your college career. But if you're already at that stage, I would say keep trying, keep trying. And, and you know, and. I think sometimes you may need to make hard decisions. And I think it's 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 a hard thing to be making such a hard decision at such a young age. And and I think at that time it seems it, it can feel like the biggest thing in your life and the biggest obstacle in your life, right? And 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 I understand that and I hear that, but I would say put your best foot forward, keep trying, right? Talk to people, use your network to the max, right? Um, but also I also say, you know, look at plan B. I think that's, you know, look at plan B, right? If you're a person of faith, absolutely pray about it, but look at plan B and plan C. And so I think one of the things that I think me and my friends at the time did not really consider was moving to Canada, for example, right? And, And Canada is a place that welcomes people with our skills and our experiences. And, and I think, you know, I get it. I was like, oh my God, I love America. I've grown up here. I've become an adult here. I'm so used to life here. I don't want to start over again. But I would say go where you're wanted, go where you are treasured, mm. go where is welcoming you with open arms and don't be so stuck in what you think your journey is because you are you are closing yourself out of opportunities. One of my mentees, um, um, you know, got got hired by, you know, a firm and, um, you know, she didn't get the H-1B, the max was filled out last year and so our OPT is expiring and, 
And, you know, earlier on, I said, look at Canada. And, you know, she did not want to explore. She wanted to go back to school and all that stuff. And then she called me last month to say, hey, you know, the firm is transferring me to Canada. I'm like, thank God, because that was the option. That was the option I thought was the better path for you. But you needed to get to that conclusion yourself. But I think so many times it, it can be hard. It can be a bit of a block on yourself. But I think, you know, if you can just step back and look at the bigger picture, right? You know, chasing this H-1B and going back to school for a PhD, if you don't want a PhD, it's not worth it. If Canada is going to welcome you or Australia or whatever, please explore that option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I was literally having this conversation <laughs> with a friend of mine um, yesterday, actually. And he was like... He like we we've been we've both been in the country for about ten years, and he's like, "Why didn't we think of Canada?" Like, why did, my friends and I say, "Why did we? Why we just suffer for nothing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that insight. Um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I want us to kind of pivot to the rich immigrants journey. Yes. Yes. Um, what inspired you to start that, and what is the story behind that? Yeah, so um, I guess how I got started on the rich immigrants. So it was, you know, I guess I'll I'll skip how I started saving and all that stuff. I'll jump to the rich immigrants. So the you know COVID happened, right? So I I think maybe probably like for the past few years, I I started being better at having money conversations with my friends, you know, with with people that I feel like okay, you know, it will be a meaningful conversation because not everybody is willing to have money conversations. And I think you can tell right away if someone is someone you should continue the conversation with or not. So take a hint, stop if it's not the person for you. Um, but I started having money conversations with friends, maybe more in the last like four years or so. Um, of course, different extents with different people, just based on, you know, the vibe and all of that stuff. Uh, and so, yes, I'm the person in the WhatsApp group that will share, oh, here's a random money tip. Here's a random thing I'm hearing about. Here's a random thing I'm doing because I feel like, I felt like, well, I'm leveling up my life, my financial life, and I want my friends to do so too. Um, and I don't want it to be that I had information that I did not share. So I don't care if you don't do anything with it, but I will share it. And then, you know, it's like, a, I say, it's thing is like a buffet. I will serve it. It's what you want. Honestly. Leave the rest. <laughs> and if you don't, if you, but, but you will know that I served you what I had. I told you what I was doing. And if you were more interested, we could have had further conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I never considered creating a platform to talk about this because first I'm like, well, there are many people doing it. And who, what, what makes me an expert? And there are more people that are advanced on their journey. So I'm just learning and I'm doing and I'm telling my friends. And then, you know what? That's, that's it. And then the, the pandemic happened and I have a travel blog as well. Cause there are two sides to me. I like to live my best life. Right. Uh, I have a travel blog it. as well. <laughs> and, um, and I had been thinking about doing a travel and lifestyle podcast. Right. And that was, I've been toying with the idea for about a year. Um, and then the pandemic hit and it was March, 2020. And I knew a few people that had lost their jobs and I knew people that had were on H1B visas and lost their jobs. And that's a different type of hit. Um, and I knew what that meant. And so one day in late March, I kind of texted a friend. I was like, I think I'm not going to do this travel and lifestyle thing. I think I'm going to do a personal finance, immigration. And I also, I also remembered, I also know that there are many things that I wish I had known earlier on my financial journey that I learned, you know, later than I, than I, than I should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, I know that there's, there's the immigration journey is unique and there are challenges and there are also triumphs and and I wanted to share that and I wanted to provide information to help us, you know, attain financial independence and live full lives in whatever countries we now call home and to also live authentically and, you know, contribute to the countries we live in and to our countries at home. 
And so, yeah, it was the pandemic that inspired it. And then I bought a mic and then um, it was created to fill a need, really, and, and to have these conversations in a, in a safe place where there's where there's no shame and, and there's no judgment mm -hmm. in the hope that the next person, the next generation is much further along than I am. Um, and so going back to that lack of representation, when I started my journey, I wanted to fill that gap. Yeah. Wow. That's that's super awesome. And I think um, a lot of people, like since the pandemic hit, they've been like, oh, what am I going to do? What should I do? Should I wait? Should I go back to school? Everybody had like this idea. And like sometimes like we, we sometimes forget like, like the financial like repercussion like after. And like mm -hmm. I think it's great that, you know, you're using like this platform to like your platform to like talk about like financial things because I know even coming from a Nigerian background, sometimes, what, what, what sometimes, most times people, <laughs> well, no, most times people don't freely talk about like finances, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, there's this like structure of life that, and then it's when you get up on the ladder of the structure of life, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. wow. Oh, I'm supposed to buy a house? Oh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where am I supposed to get the money from? But I feel oh, like, right. I feel like the stigma is more here, though. Like, it's like there's a stigma of, like, not sharing financial information in terms of, like, there's okay, also that range and all those things. Yes. And, and I think, and yes, and, and, and I don't know who started it, but I think we've all participated <laughs> in it to an extent, right? And And I even think that you don't even have to share, I mean, I don't share my numbers with the whole world to say, oh, here's my salary. But I think if it, is it is it a, is it somebody that is is going to help the person? Is it going to help me negotiate something? Like, is there a benefit to it? If there is, then yes, I'm happy to share. Yeah. If there isn't, there's, there's some people that just want to be in your business, and it's yeah, you know, true. <laughs> it's okay to be wise and know when to share or not share. And so sometimes I'll share percentages and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'll share, okay, here's how things grew over time and all that. So I think you should apply wisdom because I don't think you should tell everybody. Exactly. But yeah. I yeah, no, I, I, that. I, remember, I think I even messaged Sharon yesterday and I was asking her some financial information, like in terms of working. And my thing is, I just want to know, to know like, okay, what's the, what's a good range of salary? Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, but it's like, give me a range. Don't come and give me a range like, okay, 40k <laughs> to 90k. Like, <laughs> that's not a range. That's, that's a whole, that's a whole bridge. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and it's been thought provoking for you. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. Leave us a comment with your thoughts and your own personal experiences as it relates.